Welcome to the first episode. We are excited to introduce ourselves on this podcast. During this episode, we plan to give you a bit of insight into our backgrounds and journeys becoming child life specialists. What is a child life specialist? And more about what we have planned for this podcast series. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bag, Conversations with Child Life Specialists. I'm Al, here with my co-host Mel, and we are both certified child life specialists, co-founders of the Child Life Shop, and mamas of little ones. Hi, I'm Mel. Our goal for this podcast is to help you as caregivers, whether professionals or family members, have the knowledge you need to be able to properly advocate for your kids and navigate the challenges that come during childhood and adolescence. We are super excited for you to be joining us. Okay, so people are probably wondering, like, who are these girls? How do they know each other? Um, So Mel and I have known each other for a handful of years now. We met while we were working as child life specialists at the same inner city children's hospital. And a lot of you are like, wait, child life, what? I have no idea what you're saying. Well, that's okay, because part of our job is actually explaining our job, because our title is a little bit vague. Honestly, unless you've had experience with a child life specialist, you probably haven't really heard of it. So the ACLP, which is our governing board, the Association of Child Life Professionals, they define it, child life specialists help infants, children, youth, and families cope with the stress and uncertainty of acute and chronic illness, injury, trauma, disability, loss, and bereavement. They provide evidence-based developmentally and psychologically appropriate interventions, including therapeutic play, preparation for procedures, and education to reduce fear, anxiety, and pain. Well, Al, that was a lot of work. (laughs) And I know that those of you listening, if you're not a child life specialist, are probably like, well, how am I supposed to digest all of that? And Allie and I get that question on a regular basis. We can break it down a couple of different ways. When we're out talking with friends and family, a lot of times we will explain ourselves as I work in a psychosocial capacity with the kiddos. So we work alongside medical professionals, try to ease the hospital experience for kids and teens to make it a little bit more understandable for them and at their developmental level. When I'm in the hospital and when Al's in the hospital also, a lot of times the term like a hospital teacher is used. And that's just because a lot of what we do is making it an education experience and helping kids advocate for themselves and teaching them about things so that there's no surprises when it comes to the sequence of events when a procedure is about to happen, you know, what happens first, second, third, and that way they have that anticipation and they have the ability to ask questions. A lot of what we do too is helping them find distractions to ease their nerves a little and help them focus on what will make the procedure or the experience go a little smoother also offering them choices. I know with Al and I both having little ones, which I'm sure you'll hear a lot about over the coming series, (laughs) you know, there are different age groups, all like a little bit of control when something around us is really unexpected. And so providing kids and families that liaisonship to ask those questions and be that intermediary for them if they're uncomfortable asking the medical staff themselves. That's a little bit more of what we do. 
broken down in kind of the two capacities of like how we talk about it in the hospital versus maybe how we talk about it a little bit on the street with our friends. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Both of us are child life specialists and have been for a handful of years. We met at the same hospital and we worked on different units, but we were able to get to know each other. And both of us always had a desire to create a big difference for the children that we were working with and the field of child life. And I think a big part of that kind of spark in both Al and I came when we became moms. We really realized that this knowledge that we had gained through our education and certification to become child life specialists would be so beneficial to so many other caregivers than just being a professional in a clinical setting. We figured there's got to be a way that we can help better advocate for the kiddos in our lives and help other professionals and moms and nannies and other people working with, you know, taking care of kids in their families or in other childcare settings, navigate the challenges that occur through childhood and adolescence. And I will say like, that's another huge thing. And I I know Al can attest to this also is our title is child life specialist. And I, I laugh because there's countless numbers of time that we have walked in teenagers rooms to check up on them, introduce ourselves, prep for a procedure, see where they're at with things. And you walk in and that's again, what Al is saying, like you have to introduce yourself in a way that connects with a kid or teen where they're at. So I know for me, I often say I'm part of the child and adolescent life team, because if you just say child life team, they're like, are you pulling like Mickey Mouse out of your back pocket? Like I'm a little old for that. So you got to meet the kid where they're at. All in all, we wanted a way to really share this knowledge more, to really get it out there so that you have those as resources. We're here to be a resource for you. Right. That's our goal for Beyond the Bag is to be a place where individuals can find answers and resources. Whether you are that professional or just a caregiver, we hope that we have something that will benefit you. And to give a little bit more background about the podcast, we mentioned earlier, both of us wanting to make bigger differences. And I know for me personally, I'm making a big difference in the patient's lives that I'm working with, but I wanted to have a bigger reach than just the individual patients that I was working with on a day-to-day basis. And to help spread the awareness of the field of child life. I felt like if people knew about child life, then they could actually ask for child life support during medical procedures. Because if you don't know, you can't ask. And even if that didn't work to at least have the knowledge to be able to best advocate for their kiddo, you know, to know what to ask. Al and I connected, I guess it was a couple of months ago now. And if you follow us on Instagram, you'll know kind of like how our stories collided. But basically, we we both had these big ideas. And it's funny, we hadn't really talked about it. And then Al reached out to me and was like, here's my piece of the puzzle. What do you think? And I said, funny, you should say that because here's the puzzle piece I've been thinking about. We've put it together now. And we're really hoping, again, this can be such a great resource for a broad spectrum of caregivers. But the aha moment for me personally was my little kiddo where, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, hindsight can be 2020. Unfortunately, I think Al and I have been on the being a parent in, in a hospital setting with our small child. And 
being on that side is very eye-opening after the work we do because now we're the parent receiving the medical news. But having your spouse with you who's not in the medical field or isn't walking those halls every day is really, really eye-opening to get their perspective. And so in my particular story, my little one, we had to go to the emergency department and there were some tests being done, some scans and such. And it was so interesting. And what became kind of a long night at the end of it all, you know, your emotions are running high and everything. My spouse looks at me and says, I would have never known that I could have asked a half dozen of the questions you just asked. Like, I didn't know what MPO was, and we'll get into that. But there's all sorts of like jargon and terms that medical professionals use. There's all sorts of things where there's very circumstantial situations. And not that we're here to teach you everything. We are not here to give medical advice. We are not doctors. But there is kind of these like little things, nuggets, empower you to have, uh, have the courage to ask those questions. There was kind of this moment where I was sitting there in the emergency department. My spouse looked at me and said, I had no idea that a non-sedate MRI was an option when the physician had come in and said, just plainly, we're going to be doing a sedated MRI. That's a whole other set of medical equipment. There's a whole other set of risks involved. And the reality was for our, for Bean's age, there was an option for a non-sedate and for her coping ability, there was an option for non-sedate. And so things like that, we want to dive deeper into and let you know kind of some of the options out there or just some of the questions that you may not even know are available for you to ask. That was really my aha moment that I came to Allie with. And I was like, I just feel like we got to get the conversation rolling and let other other people know because there are caregivers out there that have questions or didn't even know questions could be asked. Right, exactly. And I also think as a parent going into the medical situation, oftentimes it's really intimidating to talk to doctors and to try to question what they're saying because they are a doctor. They're kind of an authoritative figure. They have the knowledge as parents, part of our job is be that advocate. We just want to help you be able to do that. Not only that, Mel and I also like to have a lot of fun. We're hoping that you guys can learn a little with us, but hopefully laugh a lot. Tell us about the name for the podcast. So for those of you, again, who are unfamiliar with child life, like we said, this podcast will cover the professional side of things and the non-professional side of things. We did name the podcast a little bit more in the the vein of child life. So for those of you who are a little less familiar with what we are on the day-to-day basis, we are often in the halls with either large arm bags or backpacks. And you may ask, Now, why would you have that if you're running the halls of the hospital? Well, that bag has everything from medical supplies in it that we use to help educate and prep kids. A lot of what we do is provide developmentally appropriate distraction or alternative focus. And so those bags are stuffed with all sorts of education materials and then goodies in regards to like maybe small prizes, light spinners, bubbles, iSpy books, iPads or tablets of some kind. A lot of people call them our Mary Poppins bags. That's definitely a joke that comes up every once in a while because we seem to just reach our arm in and find something that can help. 
It's never <laughs> ending. Never ending. There's a lot of swapping that goes on before we go into different situations. So that's just kind of what we have come to be seen as in the hospital. We have these big bags with all sorts of fun stuff sticking out of them. So we are there to help with the coping. So the name of our podcast is Beyond the Bag because there is so much more to us than just what's in our tool bag. We really do go beyond the bag. All right, Al, let's dive in. Let's tell these people a little bit more about us. Al's going to dive in and tell us about her journey to child life because I think it's important that everybody knows kind of where we came from and how we came to find this niche field that seems to still be finding itself on the map. I have always been interested in the medical field and I always knew I wanted to do something in medicine. And I think part of that is my my grandma was a nurse, but also when I was really little, about three years old, I got diagnosed with something called cyclical vomiting syndrome. When I was little, I had to have all of these tests to figure out what was going on. One of them, all I remember is being in this dark room and somebody putting duct tape on my butt. That's what I remember. I'm like, what the heck, duct tape? That's weird. And so it wasn't until years later that I corrected that misconception and figured out what the exam was. So I always knew that I loved the medical field. Medical TV dramas are kind of my jam. I love all of them. And so, and I know that's not like real life medicine. Like that's, I get it. But it's all of our guilty pleasures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so to prepare for that, I always thought like a nurse would probably be where I was going to end up. It would be working directly with patients. I could work with kiddos, which was one of my dreams. And so when I was a senior in high school, I got my nursing assistant certification. I did it after school. I actually did it with my mom, which was really okay. fun. That's awesome. And a great bonding experience. Yeah, it was so fun. And so from there, I started working in assisted living homes with elderly individuals because hospitals were where I wanted to be, but they were super competitive to get a job. So I was like, well, I need to get some experience. Like I'm this little (laughs) teenager, high school student. And so to get into the hospitals, somebody was like, well, why not volunteer? Like that will get your foot in the door, maybe, you know, help you out or look good on your resume. So I actually started volunteering on a peds floor and was under a child life specialist, but I had no idea, Mel, what she did, right? I literally thought she was just this volunteer coordinator person and that was her job. Like she just coordinated volunteers because what more would she do? I don't think I knew her title even. She was just the lady that I checked (laughs) in with. Okay, some volunteers still think we're just the lady they check in with. True. That's fine. That's fair. But like, what? That's what I became. So I think it's just hilarious. In that particular hospital, the surgical registration area is kind of in a big atrium that you would have to walk through to get to the inpatient tower. And so one day I was walking through it to get to my volunteer shift And here this child life specialist was kneeling on the ground next to this kid. She had this doll. She had this stack of other things with her. And I remember thinking, what the heck is she doing? Why is she on the floor? Why does she have that doll? And what is all that other stuff she's carrying around? 
this woman seems really busy. She just runs all the way. She always has toys. I don't understand. Anyways, then I got a job at the hospital. So I actually stopped volunteering. I wasn't a volunteer for very long. But so it was then. So I was in college at the time. I was a pre-nursing major, which isn't actually a major, but you have to declare anyways. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We all jumped through. (laughs) Right. So I was working at this hospital and it was on an adult floor. So that's a little different than working with kiddos. But I was really able to see the day-to-day life of a nurse. And I realized that they're the doctor's eyes and ears. So much depends on them. And they also have to do all of the hard things. They have to poke the patients. They have to give their medicine. Like they do all of these things to make sure that the patient's medical care is completely covered and taken care of. And it was like, I don't know. I just realized that's not what I want to do. And I felt like even as a nurse's aide, I had the time to be able to sit and have a conversation with a patient and spend genuine time with them and not feel rushed. Whereas I felt like the nurses I worked with, they always had something else they had to be doing. They were always busy. They always, and and it wasn't the time connection with patients that I was looking for. So as a pre-nursing major, one of the classes you had to take was child development, which I like absolutely loved. Took the child development class and absolutely fell in love with it. And so I was like, okay, well, I know I'm not pre-nursing anymore, so I'm going to switch. So I switched to child development. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. When I switched, people told me that this is the degree that people graduate and then end up working at wedding dress shops. He's like, there's so much more to do. You just have to advocate for yourself and you have to put your skills on a resume because this knowledge is important. Don't work at a wedding dress shop. (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay. Because that was actually such a problem, they had an intro to professions class where professionals would come and talk to individuals within the major. What a cool opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, it was super awesome. Um, I really loved it. And it's the reason why I'm a child life specialist today. A child life specialist came and they talked to us. And I literally, while she was talking, was like, that's <laughs> it. Like, that's what I've been looking for. And so I knew that I had to go talk to her. But I, Mel, I was not that type of person. <laughs> oh, come person. on. I like, do talk to people all the time. <laughs> like, I can't go up to this woman. I don't know her. She's going to think I'm weird. Like, you know, all the things that go through your head. But luckily, I got the courage. I went up to her, grabbed her contact information, and she and childlife.org were my guideposts to becoming a child life specialist because I didn't know anybody in the field. My college didn't have a course in it even at the time. Luckily, the semester before I moved across the country, they started offering one, which was like, I don't know, an answer to my prayer. Like it was amazing because I didn't know how I was going to do it. And it was just being started to be required. And so, yeah, I was really lucky to get into that and feel really fortunate that that happened because it would have made it a little more complicated. And then I was lucky enough. So I moved across the country. I am married and my husband got an opportunity to go to law school. And so we moved across the country for him. And luckily there were lots of opportunities in the area for child life practicums and internships. 
And I was pretty naive to the field. Like I said, all I knew was childlife.org, like the back of my hand, and this one child life specialist. I had no idea how competitive it was until I met my co-intern, was going to a well-known school for child life and had to apply to a lot of different internships. And so I feel like it was kind of a blessing in disguise, not knowing because I didn't know the nature of it. But at the same time, like just because I didn't know the nature of it, it was still pretty stressful. I feel like it was similar to <laughs> applying my husband applying to law schools, but that is another story for another day. <laughs> yeah, definitely stressful. And we hear all you students out there. We hope that you'll definitely follow along our podcast and everything. We both can attest to being naive. We were both going through this process around the same time, obviously didn't know each other, mm-hmm. but we can definitely attest to the stress you're going through. Anyone in the field can, whether they applied to one hospital and got into their one hospital or applied to 30 hospitals, got into none. Like we all know mm-hmm. it is now, at least for Al and I now, <laughs> you know, uh, we might've been naive at the time, but definitely how... Uh, stressful, the application processes and getting that clinical experience that we need as part of our certification. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Today's episode of Beyond the Bag is sponsored by the Child Life Shop, the place to go for all your child life attire and accessory needs fresh and fun tees, stickers, pins, and much more. Recently launched on October 1st, three in-house custom-designed Halloween t-shirts are available for a limited time, perfect for the month of October. Grab yours today by heading to the website www.thechildlifeshop.com or by clicking the link in the Child Life Shop Instagram bio, handle at the Child Life Shop. Use promo code BEYONDTHEBAG10 at checkout for 10% off your purchase. So that's a little bit about my experience and kind of how I found child life and pursued it. And Mel has her own story and I actually haven't really heard it from you. So it's funny because, right, like Al and I have talked to each other countless numbers of times over the last couple of years and have pieces of each other's stories. But it's great doing something like a podcast and a company together because we're always learning about each other. And so my story has some overlaps with hers. And it's funny hearing hers again. But I definitely, you know, have some roadblocks of my own and some own experiences. So mm-hmm. I first came across child life. I was on my first break home from college. So it was probably like a fall break, Thanksgiving break, something like that of first year. I had gone to college thinking, oh, I was all over the place. Um, I think I had landed on pre-vet maybe. I knew- That comes in your love for animals. There we go. It's all coming together now. Yeah, I uh, I was all over. I love art. I love kids. I love medical. I love animals. I've been a, <laughs> a rider for since I was small. And so I think- And the- she means horses. Yes. So yeah, not hogs like motorcycles. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> I, um, I've been riding horses since I was small. Um, I've always had dogs and various other animals. But so I thought, you know, equine vet was kind of putting everything together for me. I uh, supported and volunteered with some therapeutic riding programs near me. So equine was definitely like a big piece for me. But I got into college and I was like, maybe it's not checking all the boxes. And as much as I loved it, it wasn't like filling your cup. You know what I mean? Like, 
And Al and I talk about self-care so much. And if again, if you follow us on Instagram, I'm sure you've seen, like, we really try to focus, especially leaving the week and going into the weekends with, like, uplifting self-care motivation. And so when you're looking for what you want to do, I mean, this is so cliche, right? And Allie, <laughs> feel free to laugh at me, but it's like the whole... If you, is it, what is the saying? Like, if you love what you're doing, you won't work a day in your life or something. Or So right. it was that kind of thing. Like, all my boxes weren't checked. So there was still something feeling like a little laborious there, if you will. Like a little forced. Right. So anywho, back to my story. I was, <laughs> was on my first break home from college. And there was a full page article in one of the local newspapers. And yes, my family is old school and we have newspapers delivered. And it was about, (laughs) it was all about a local child life specialist. And I remember my parents, they turned the newspaper around and they passed it across the probably breakfast table to me. And they said, well, if we're not mistaken, this kind of sums up the various things you've been trying to piece together and we didn't really know existed. And that really was my aha moment. And from that moment forward, I went back to school and I was extremely fortunate to go to a smaller college where I was able to really develop my own track. So while we didn't have child life specific courses, I did end up tailoring my studies and really focusing my studies. So I ended up being a major in psychology with focuses in child development, art and education. So a lot of my psych was all pediatric and child focused Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the development components. And then I kept my passion for art tied in. And then I took a number of education courses and actually did some student teaching as well. So it was kind of like, it was me putting the puzzle together, right? And getting my toe in all the spots to have that background that would really support what I knew was going to be a longer journey after I graduated. I love that because for those of you that don't know, as a child life specialist, the ACLP requires you to have 10 courses that are directly related to child life. And so that's what Mel's talking about. She was really able to craft her own little program to be able to cater towards that. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's something kind of unique to the experience I had, but it's also unique that our governing board, the way they break out the coursework, depending on what school you go to, what options you have kind of can end up determining how long your post-grad work is too. So I toyed with the idea of becoming an art therapist for a short bit. I still really loved being that close to art. And we love art therapists. Whoop, whoop to any art therapist listening out there. We actually have a couple really good friends who are art therapists. And we've so enjoyed co-treating with patients over the years. And maybe nudge, nudge, hint, hint, if any of you are listening or to our listeners, we may have some interviews coming in the future. And art therapists would definitely be, some of our friends would definitely be who would be on the show. Yeah. (laughs) Keep your ears and ears peeled. It should be good. I ended up deciding I that it didn't check all the boxes for me again. I know that sounds silly and something you're going to learn as you listen to Al and I's dynamic. Al and I laugh about this all the time. I'm the planner. <laughs> she is the spontaneous one. So Al is not going to be the one saying checking all the boxes. That is definitely a Mel comment. <laughs> but And that's fine. And that's why we balance and work so well. So right. I ended up 
moving on from art therapy. And when I graduated, I knew I was going to have a track of still backfilling some child life specific classes, but I really wanted, I, I just had a passion for kids. I knew the importance of play and access to developmentally appropriate resources. And so, and due to just kind of the area I lived in and connections I had, I had kind of always been connected to nonprofit organizations and I appreciated philanthropic work. And so I actually went and worked in the nonprofit sector for a handful of years while backfilling those classes at actually a couple of different universities while mostly online, while working full-time and living. <laughs> Have a little bit of fun on the side. So I worked so these organizations I worked solely with that were all of them, there were three of them, were all um, wow. dedicated to play and the betterment of childhood through developmentally appropriate resources, both in the clinical setting and in the low-income communities. So it really was a great opportunity, even though I was on the side of learning more business or product development or things like that, it was still the experience of working with these communities and these kiddos and finding what their needs were and just keeping my mind open and really honestly being a sponge. That's what I did. During this time, I had amazing bosses who knew my my passion at the end of this was to become a child life specialist. And they fostered an environment that allowed me to continue to learn the business aspect of the of the various organizations I was at, while also allowing me the flexibility to complete the volunteer work to get those hours under my belt, and then also my practicum, both at local area children's hospitals. So I was blessed to have some awesome mentors in those organizations that allowed me to do both and knew I wasn't going to be with them forever, but still wanted to grow me professionally, knowing mm -hmm. that I'd move on one day. Yeah, I think that's really awesome that you had such amazing bosses that could could do that for you. And I think it is something that students can take away too is that, you know, your golden like child life path didn't happen, right? Like you didn't graduate and start working. You still had things to do, but you knew that you wanted to be a child life specialist. And I think that anybody, if they want to and is persistent and consistent and does the work, that eventually it will work out, right? Like it's not going to be easy. There's definitely going to be challenges. But eventually, if you're persistent and consistent and put in the work. For sure. And I, it it's funny. Happen. In the moment, I think there were times I felt behind because I knew there were, you know, other young adults graduating from college with child life degrees, or maybe they were going straight into a master's program or what have you, and then getting into their practice and getting into like they had the whole track laid out for them. And because I, I mean, I didn't come into it late in the game, but just because of the my series of events. But it's funny because right. kind of when I got to my internship, and now looking back, of course, hindsight, you can always see things a little bit clear. But I can't I, I look back and I really appreciate those years because I feel like it gave me a dimension to coming into my to this field of child life to my role in child life with a broader lens. Like I had seen the business side of things. So I had a little bit more 
more understanding of like how a de- like departments work and how like management in a hospital might function, you, you know, want- and not just kind of the tunnel vision of like child life. This is my job marching forward. Right. You had a little more life yeah, experience. And, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. Right. And I feel fortunate to have the journey I'm on and I'm sure, and I know you feel fortunate to, and each person has their own journey. It is just kind of funny because when you come into it, maybe a few years senior to everybody else who's on the same track as you, you might feel a little like, am I behind? Did I miss something? But it's everybody bringing their own kind of seasoning and salt and pepper to the table. If you will. Right. We don't want a thousand Mel's, a thousand different people. And I think everybody, fine lines connect everything. And yeah. You know what I mean? You just got to find totally your lines. Agree. You mentioned your internship. What was that timeline? Were you already married at the time of your internship? So it was actually, are you ready for this? So that time when I was working full time and doing my practicum, I was also coaching a high school sports team and I was planning a wedding. So <laughs> by the time of my internship, I had coached a handful of years of a high school varsity sport. I had been working and I had gotten married. So I actually, <laughs> holy smokes. I left for my internship and I was out of state. Props to my husband and my dog for holding down our little sport. <laughs> but I actually left them for, I guess, four or five months to go out of state. That must have been hard. It was definitely another, again, another challenge. I was, again, like, you know, sometimes things are just fall in place, luck, blessings, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I, the internship that I had was phenomenal team there is great. And if any of you are listening, thank you, thank you, thank you for all my experiences. But it's actually in a city that I kind of consider a home away from home. And I was actually able to live with some extended family, which was really awesome and just a great bonding experience. And we were able to have some visits. We weren't too, too far away, but we definitely were over state lines. So yeah, but it was, it, it was a good experience though. And so I was there for the handful of months and then came home to get certified. And so as my, in my role as child life and Al, I know we have so much overlap here because we really met pretty early on after we both were certified. We have both worked primarily PRN in our careers. And then we both, where we really met was when we both took about year and a half, two year more, uh, I don't know what to call it. Sorry. (laughs) Like, full-time yeah, job. <laughs> like, I was going to be like, we took like solid jobs. We took steady. Yeah. So PRN, it is Latin and I'm blanking on what it is right now, but basically it's an as needed basis. So yeah. like your team, if there's holidays or weekends or kind of off hours or somebody mm-hmm. who's full-time is going out of town, things like that, It's a term used in the medical field where they have like a pool of people. They will ask like, hey, are you available? Al and I, I think, have both loved that position for multiple reasons. We have a little bit of flexibility, but also we get to stay really sharp with our skills because we're covering different units regularly. Yes, everywhere around the hospital. We're covering inpatient, outpatient. We're seeing all different kinds, you know, ICUs, and then 
acute and then the emergency department, you know, so we're seeing everything. But we both did take these full-time positions at one of the area hospitals. And that's where we met. I was Mm -hmm. covering the neonatal intensive care unit and the gastrointestinal slash intestinal rehabilitation unit, which those two paired together is a very interesting combo. And it was very different, (laughs) very different populations of kids. But it was to clear it up. It was more just proximity of the way the hospital was laid out that I was covering both of those units. But Al, I'll let you jump in and tell what you were covering. Yeah. So I started out on an inpatient floor, which was their like short stay unit. So essentially kids were there for like 24 to 48 hours, real quick turnovers, mostly like kiddos with respiratory stuff, asthma attacks, that type of thing. And shortly after I started, there was actually an opportunity to move to the radiology department. And I love outpatient. I love the medical aspect of child life, the the procedures, the education behind the procedures and the, the preparation that we can do and the support that we provide to kids. And so when the opportunity presented, I like jumped on it. I was like, please, like I want to be in radiology. So I was able to switch to radiology, which was super awesome. My time there, I, I loved it. And I was actually pregnant with my first. So I call him my little radioactive baby. <laughs> so yeah, worked there for like a year and a half, two years. Can't quite remember. <laughs> And then during that whole time, I had been working PRN as well, and then just kept that going after having my kiddo and have had nice time with him at home and my other little one. (laughs) So that's kind of my work. And coincidentally, I had my little one about nine months after Allie had had her first. So it's kind of cool because as we mentioned before, like that really defined a whole new level of friendship for us, kind of navigate this new motherhood journey together. But like her, I had that full-time position, except mine was inpatient. So a little bit different, especially both of those units that I was on often had longer stay patients. And a lot of my kids would come see her just because of the procedures that they were having done, especially my gastro kids go down to radiology a lot Mm -hmm. for imaging. So Al and I collaborated a lot. So That's our overlap. But since having my little one, I too maintained my PRN. And so coincidentally at the same coincidentally at the same hospital, um, (laughs) which is funny because we didn't know each other at that hospital originally. Right. Yeah. I don't think I even knew that you were on the team there. But prior. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. But when we talked, when we were both full time specialists, we were like, wait a second. Wait, I'm PRN too. And then now we're both still PRN. But anyway, it's really nice to have our kiddos at home and then also doing what we love, which is child life work. And now, obviously, doing this fantastic podcast for all of our caregiver friends out there and child life friends out there. Funny that sometimes stories collide that you can be so different, but so alike at the same time. So we are super excited for what's to come in the future. We have a lot of different ideas and great topics and guests. And our next episode, we are going to get into the ins and outs of child life during the holiday season. Which we all know gets busy, exciting, and this year may even have its own few wrenches. So we want to hear from you guys too. (laughs) Definitely. Thanks for listening. See you soon. 
If you like what you heard today and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Beyond the Bag, and we'd love if you write us a review and share with your friends.